20, I'm in case emergency. Ain't no cap in my rock. Really, I know it's the truck. More profit mean extra. Emma White out full of pressure. That cereal milk smoking right. But that Obama right, so special. Kansas City, I'm a chief. Shout out to K5 on this one. Country thinking I was hushing. I always had it on me. Booming like OJ the Juice. Till a nigga told on me. Run down this relentless. Ain't no love, we ain't friendly. If she want me on him. No the law, she get the business. No the law, still the model. Empire. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome in. It is Birds of a Feather podcast with your boy Q City, and we are here today after a huge, huge Hawks win. We're going to get into it. We're going to get a little breakdown of the game, do uh, some betting action coming up, have a look ahead for the week, and then get into City Talk at the end. All right, so first things first. Let's go ahead and talk about how the Hawks just absolutely destroyed the Mavericks tonight. Like it it really wasn't a game uh after the third quarter after they blew up that that 20 point lead. Uh I'm I'm sorry for the uhs. I got the Braves going on in the background and I'm watching them blow this lead. And so it looks like there's going to be a game 6 coming up, but that's fine. These boys still headed toward the wor- World Series. You know, we we're not going to talk about 3-1 last year. This is this year. <laughs> so back into it, back into it. Dallas, they struggled all game to get consistent play from not only their starters, but their bench. Atlanta's bench came out crazy tonight. Leading scorer for the game was your boy Cam Reddish. Let me say that again. Cam Reddish. If you listen to episode two, You remember me saying that the trade for Luka trade was an even and fair exchange. And it wasn't just because it was trade for Luka. And that's what everybody focuses on. 2018, trade was pick five. Luka was pick three. Swap for each other. We got Dallas's pick next year. And that pick turned out to be Cam Reddish. And I love Hunter in the starting lineup. His length and defensive versatility was totally on point tonight. You saw it. He got a. Uh, he was bothering Luca all night and got a block on Porzingis, and Porzingis seven two. You can get up there and block his shot with his high release. You are an athletic cat, but Cam Reddish is a nice piece to have. He's definitely a microwave scorer. You saw it tonight when he's got that green light on that second unit. It is. It's just beautiful to watch. You know what I'm saying? Because you watch him develop into his game he could score at all three levels he didn't get to the rim as much as i would like tonight he settled for a lot of jump shots especially uh in his matchup but you saw when they put either brunson or hardaway on him and it was a smaller defender that he could definitely bully and blow by he took him to the rack watching his offensive game morph into its own is not only a beautiful and beautiful revelation but it's gratifying in the sense of that's what we traded for. Having Luka is is nice. But if you look at the Mavericks tonight, when they have an off game, when Luka has an off game, the team cannot support itself. Not to get too basketball historian on you, but anyone who's been watching ball for a while remembers LeBron in 07. You know what I'm saying? Like those early Cavs teams 
are running into the same problem Lucas Mavs are running into. He's too early, too good for you to be consistently in the lottery. When Trey, when Trey got in, 18 and 19, we were bad. You know, that like there's, there's no other way around it. We were a bad basketball team. But it allowed us to accumulate more draft capital and talented players. And older veterans want to come to the team because they're going to be able to eat up a large amount of minutes. Those guys who've been in the league from eight to about 12 years who are on that third contract looking to, you know, they're they're not at veteran minimum. We're ready to get a ring. They're at, hey, I want another bite at this apple. Give me a three, four, give me a three to four year contract in which I'm not getting top of the market money, but this money's got to go somewhere. Just like there's a salary cap, there's a salary floor. Give me some of that. That's where you get the Solomon Hills. That's where you get the Danilo Gallinari's. That's where you get the Clint Capellas who do get that big money. Those are guys who can play with the diminutive guard who passes the ball. When you have someone like Luca. Not only are they ball dominant, and yeah, the assist numbers can kind of mess with you a little bit, but if you watch the game, you got Luka dribbling and four dudes watching him. That's that's really what it is. There's no ball movement. There's no cutting. And I thought with Jason Kidd being on the head of this offense that you would see something different. But this is basically the Mike Brown LeBron offense. This is the exact same thing. Four guys standing around, and if your playmaking forward has a bad night, your point guard can't bail you out, and you're going to have a problem consistently having him with another star who isn't ball, like who isn't off the dribble ball dominant. That's why LeBron and D-Wade work together. They could take turns. Luka can't take turns with Porzingis because Porzingis can't create for anyone else. Much near himself, actually. And the Hawks were able to exploit that all night long. Like, not only did they go at Luka defensively, which is always what you need to do because he's a bad defender, but they were able to press on the corners. I think Brunson got one corner shot off and then Hardaway got loose for another one. Other than that, they didn't do nothing. Uh, You looking at the stats, Porzingis... 11 points, 5 rebounds, <laughs> and shot a terrible percentage. Luka went 18, 7, and 11. But with his usage, the fact he didn't crack 20 points is is a travesty. You know what I'm saying? Uh, if, you had, if you say all his 7 assists were 3s, you had 21 points, he was responsible for 39. Trey and, Trey and Reddish... In just points were 39. You know what I'm saying? So when I say it's an even trade, I literally mean it's an even trade. <laughs> Brunson was able to go off with that second unit where 17, 3, and 3, but it's really because he got to eat up a whole lot of minutes in that fourth quarter. He was out there damn near the whole time up until about the four minute mark. You know, from I, w- I would say from about eight minutes in the third quarter until four minutes in the fourth, the kid played him for an extremely long stretch. Um, and by the end of it, his legs were gone. But, you know, he, he got to eat up some minutes tonight because they were out of it. They were out of it. The Hawks came out in that third quarter and put a run on them that was reminiscent of those Warriors runs. 
Trey, back-breaking three, and then come up and hit an alley. There's nothing you're going to do. There's nothing you're going to do. Got to sit damn near the whole fourth quarter. And speaking of the Stars getting to sit and people coming in, uh, Johnson and Cooper got into the game. I was I was very interested to see them play. Um, Okuma got to play uh, the sixth pick from last year's draft. I, I love him as a prospect. I just don't know where his minutes are coming from, you know, especially when uh, Gallinari comes back because this is looking like a playoff team, a deep playoff team, and uh, you don't really rely on rookies and second-year guys. Now, I'll be the first to say I was not a huge fan of Jalen Johnson just strictly based on how he played at Duke and quit on his team. And so when the Hawks drafted him, I was a little, ah, you know, but I came to a realization. Every job I've been at, I've been in some form of management. And so when I walk into the door, in my mind, I am a manager. And so working at the bottom rung of a company can get extremely frustrating when you know things could be done better, you know things could be done more efficiently, and they're not. And it's because you have the mindset of a manager. When I look at Jalen Johnson and see him play, especially like starting in summer league and like getting into the game tonight, I realize he was a pro in college. It is very hard to when you know you're going to be in the college experience for five months and then move on to make millions of dollars at some point you'll come back and get your degree if it's important but you were there and you are a pro and you're stuck in the college level it it can be a bit frustrating and i seeing him play tonight and seeing how well he was acclimated to the game he was a he was on point defensively and offensively for what they asked him to do. He was only in for a couple minutes, but it does make me a little less reticent for his future with the team. I think that he he and Sharif Cooper will be welcome additions. I think Sharif Cooper will be the backup point guard by the end of the year. I love Godwin. He's, he's nice. Can't shoot. Uh, that's probably going to be a problem later on in the year. But this this was just this was a beautiful win all the way around. Uh, Trey Young, 19, 14 and two. All right. So when, when you think about that, he had 14 assists tonight and barely played in the fourth quarter. This team was just hitting on all cylinders. And it's not like they were killing them with threes. It's not like they were killing them with threes. They didn't have a high percentage. They were just getting to the wreck. And there was absolutely nothing Dallas could do to stop them. They're a terrible defensive team. And Atlanta exploited it. And that's what you should do. Especially against especially against the upper echelon teams. I wouldn't call it Dallas upper echelon. I, w- I would say the mid-grade teams. Teams that you would consider on your level. The over-under for this game was two. You know what I'm saying? So it's like they, there, there was very little spread. Not the over-under. The spread on this game was two. So it was, there was very little difference between these guys in Vegas's eyes, you know. And I trust Vegas because Vegas don't want to do nothing but make money. Vegas ain't fans. Vegas is like, look, I'm trying to be on the right side because I want you to bet and I want to make money. So they looked at it as in an NBA game, anything under a five is a push. 
You know, like if, if you're five points either way, it's a push. That means that game is is close. Those those are playoff numbers. You know what I'm saying? Well, second round playoff numbers. You look and that's a team you're supposed to be equal with and you blow them out by 20, 30 damn near. That is what you are supposed to do. That's how you start a season at home. That That's beautiful for a homestand. And I was really proud of the boys tonight. They came in, showed up, showed out. And that's what we need going forward. So right now, since I'm only doing the Hawks podcast every Thursday, I figure what I would do would take a look forward in the week, kind of break down some of the matchups going on and some things we could look forward to, some things that could be potential potholes and just have an overall feel for the week. So first up, we got the Cavs coming in on Saturday. I don't see this Cavs team being a really big problem in any facet you got jared allen in the middle you know he's, he's a pretty decent shot blocker you know but we all saw what john collins did to him and uh i i don't i don't truly see the Cavs as a problem sexton he is hyperactive you know what i'm saying and darius garland is a bit of a spark plug i feel like someone like herder can definitely rock with sexton a, a good part of the game i don't know when lou's gonna be back and so I'm kind of worried about our backup point guard position, but we've got enough lengthy defenders to throw at them. And there's nothing Cleveland does on the wing that makes you worry about anything. I think they got Osmond still. So it's it's nothing we're, we're really going to worry about. Cleveland's a bad team. Cleveland's a bad team, bottom of the East this year. These are the games we got to win. It's, it's, no, it's no more to the point of where these are coin flip games for Atlanta. I, like I said, it was 42 for their over-under for the season win total. I got in on that. If I doubt it'll raise too much more after this game. But, hey, gobble up that 42. You know what I'm saying? Anywhere you can get it at 42, take it. Because in the next three weeks, I see that number easily rising to 45. And I, I consider Atlanta a 50-win team. So if you're a 50-win team, you got to beat the bad teams. You got to beat the bad teams. You, you can't have no clunkers. You know what I'm saying? So... Uh, Cleveland should be a, a easy win. We got the Pistons on Monday. Um, I'm not really sure about Kay Cunningham's uh, availability yet. No one really knows. He had that heel surgery. So not heel surgery. He had that uh, heel injury. So he missed the first game of the season, their season opener. But if he's available, I am very intrigued to watch him play. But the Pistons are terrible. <laughs> they got Cade because he's the first pick of the draft. He's he's terrible team, you know. So that's the same thing as Cleveland. That's one of those bad teams we should win. And we're we're past the point of creating excuses as to why the Hawks are losing to bad teams. We're just walking into those arenas expecting to win. And that's like the best feeling. Once you have a perennial playoff type team, you're expecting to win those type of games. We've got a nationally televised game next Wednesday on ESPN, but it is against the Pelicans and Zion will not be available. They gutted that team. Lonzo's in uh, Chicago and what's the white boy that can shoot from Duke? Y'all know who I'm talking about. He retired. And so 
I'm not really sure that the Pelicans have too much to offer. They they got that springy kid out of Texas in the draft last year, but and Drew Holiday's in Milwaukee. That team doesn't have anybody or anything to offer. And to be honest, until Zion comes back, that team might be the worst team in the league. So I'm looking at three wins before next Thursday. You know what I'm saying? And I might do the pod a little early next week because we've got some games to do and not release it so late. We do have the second night of a back-to-back next week. It's against the Wizards, who I'm not really sure how they look yet this year. You know, it's very early, but they do have Bradley Beal, and he's a walking bucket. And he has given Atlanta fits over the past couple years. And so uh, any game that would be you know, an alert game for a loss this loss this week. I would say that. Uh, other than that, no, I, I expect I expect a three and zero. I expect a four and zero week, but at worst three and one. We we got to take care of the bad teams, and I'm very excited for what this week holds. It's not too much traveling. It's not too much problem. The only place we're going is. We're going to Detroit on Monday, and then we'll be in New Orleans on Wednesday and back home. So let's go, Hawks. This should be a breeze of a week. I'm, I'm very excited to see how Nate, Nate McMillan is going to balance out these rotations uh, to get guys minutes. But, nah, this is looking like a breeze this week. Okay. And now, my favorite part, the betting point. (laughs) Like I said, I'm betting on the Sharp app. Uh, It's got everything. It's got props. It's got over-unders. And it's got the line and spread. So, my over-unders for my props for tonight. The over-under was 224. I definitely went under on that. I did not think either team was going to be um, high-scoring in that regard. I figured it was going to be around a 100-point game. I didn't expect Luka to have that bad of a game, but it hit 200, and the under hit. So we're good on that one. I had Trey Young over 21 points, and he was under at 19, barely played in the fourth quarter. But his over-under for points and assists was 30, and I took that as well, and he had 33. You had the 19 and 14 the 19 points and the 14 assist. So just for a little point of reference, if you're ever going to bet a prop, try to get double props on points and assist or points and rebounds or, you know, like assist and steals. When you double up like that, you got a great chance of getting it because you never know if you have a night like tonight where there is a blowout and a guy doesn't get in uh, late in the game. He'll probably have those doubling stats coming out. I will post my prop bets throughout the week prior to each game, and that'll be on my Twitter handle, QCity11. Just look out for me. Also, I'm going to go ahead and put out some of my props for Sunday's game with the Falcons. The line has been bet down to two. If you remember, on my Tuesday pod, I said that the line was two and a half, which is basically like a three. Now it's down to a two which means people saw that two and a half and figured that the Dolphins would win by three. So they kept betting on it. And now it's okay. Dolphins win by two. So one of the prop bets they have is total tackles for Debo. His over under is at seven. 
I would say take the over on that. No, his over under is at seven and a half. I would say take the over for that. I think he's going to get eight or more tackles this game. That's an easy cover. If you want to parlay it, I've got two more. Total receiving yards for Ridley, 76 and a half. Miami's down two corners in their secondary right now. I definitely see Ridley having a big day. Does he get over 77 yards receiving? I say yes, so I'm taking the over for that one. And then total passing touchdowns for Tua is at one and a half. So you expect him to either get two or more or under one. I'm taking the over on that. I expect him to throw for two touchdowns. Um, Like I said, this is a 27-24 type of game, which plays into why I expect Ridley to have over 77 yards. I think this ball gets aired out, and it's a little bit of a shootout late. Both these guys aren't huge arm guys, but definitely can move the ball up and down the field. And Brian Flores, if you look at him, he loves throwing in the red zone. He's surprisingly not a power runner in the red zone. So definitely taking the over on that. Parlay all three of those as long uh, as well as the money line. I took the Falcons to win straight out. So looking, you know, to make a little cash this weekend based on those bets. All right, and last but not least, we got City Talk. So, three points coming out, you know, just from talking to people and around the Hawks, around, you know, the city and the Facebook groups I'm in or whatever, just some things that consistently come up. And I always say, I always tell people, reach out to me either on Twitter or Instagram at QCity11. I want to hear from you, and I'd love to talk about it in City Talk. If you send me a DM, I might read it out in the podcast just to, you know, further the point. The first thing I saw come up a lot was the Luca to Trey trade. I remember being in the building draft night when they drafted Luka Doncic. And there was a lot of people like, ah, what, like what, maybe. Because if you remember, DeAndre Ayton went one and that was just understood you know what i'm saying the guy who he he went to he went to arizona phoenix is drafting number one it is just a match made in heaven he was going number one the kings were stuck on the fact that they were taking marvin bagley number two and it's super funny how that has transpired because like he's out of the starting lineup and looking to get traded i think they should trade him for ben simmons but that's neither here nor there And so third was this Slovenian kid who was crazy out in Europe and you could barely see the highlights and the Hawks took him. And you're sitting in the building like this is the most Hawks pick I think I have ever seen because I I barely know this guy. You know what I'm saying? This is this is Marvin Williams over Chris Paul all over again. (laughs) Right. And. Fourth, I think was when was Jaron Jackson. For Lord knows what reason. To this day, I can't tell you why the Grizzlies told chose Jaron Jackson over Trey Young. I, I cannot for the life of me. They didn't have Ja yet. They did not have Ja yet. I don't know why they chose Jaron Jackson over Trey Young. But they were like, hey, we're taking Jaron Jackson Jr. He's, he's a decent player. He's a decent player. Don't get me wrong. But I don't know why. And then Dallas takes Trey Young. 
But before Dallas even takes them, you start hearing about, no, uh, Atlanta has drafted this pick for Dallas. Dallas is going to pick Trey Young. It's going to be switched. And as soon as they said it was Trey Young, people in the building were like, hell yeah. Like there was little, there was like little cheers or whatever. Then the announcers got in, started talking about, oh, he's a EuroLeague MVP. He's the youngest ever. And they truly shaped how people look at that trade. Now, I'm not saying this is this is not Luca slander. This is not Luca isn't good. This isn't Luca is never going to be an MVP. I'm literally just saying from that moment forward, the sports media shaped how people were supposed to look at that trade. I said from the moment that trade happened, I've been consistent on Facebook, on my TikTok videos, Q City Leo on TikTok. My bad if you want to follow me there. On my TikTok videos on any YouTube I've been on, any post I can say it. I have been consistent that the Trey versus Luca trade is a fair trade, strictly because we got the easier player to build around and we got another pick. And as you saw tonight, that pick turned out to be Cam Reddish, who I feel is a great prospect. But e even before I knew who the pick was, I was saying we're gonna get Dallas's pick next year and I knew that pick was gonna be in the lottery. Because they had an old Dirk and they had Luka. If you remember when Luka went onto that team, Dennis Smith Jr. was still on that team. So they had another lottery pick still in place on that team. That team was built weird and funky. But it was going to be a bad team. And you knew no matter how you sliced it, no matter how good this kid was. LeBron didn't make his playoff, didn't make the playoffs his first year. Kobe barely played his first two years. You know what I'm saying? MJ, he managed to get to the playoffs, but there were less teams. <laughs> it's just no way around it. Like, rookies don't come in and go crazy like that. Like, even if they put up a bunch of empty stats, it's not going to lead to a bunch of wins. And so, you know you're getting a, you know you're getting what I considered was a transformational talent. Like you saw in the commercial tonight. Trey led the league, Trey led the nation in scoring and assist as a freshman. The last person to lead the country in scoring as a freshman was Kevin Durant. And I think he averaged like three assists in college or something ridiculously low like that. Trey led the country in points and assists. And I think losing in the second round of the uh, NCAA tournament kind of pushed some people to be like, oh, Maybe he's not that good. Maybe his style doesn't work. And he did a lot of losing coming to Atlanta, but you expect that as a rookie. His second year, I expected him to take off, make a make a pretty big jump. He dealt with some injuries around him. I don't think he missed too many games, but he dealt with some injuries around him on the team. And, and then COVID hit. Last year was truly his first year. And granted, it was only 72, 72 games. A lot of teams had got done late it, it was kind of a funky year but last year was his first year truly okay I've got my team I'm the unquestioned leader on this team we've got ball system placement and movement and you saw once they fired coach Lloyd and had a defensive commitment on the team from the rest of the players because I don't believe you ask your diminutive guard to really hone in on defense you ask him to play the passing lanes once they were able to do that, you saw how this team could take off. And it's because Trey is, he's worth it. 
He's worth it to me. That was an even trade for Luka. And now you see Cam Reddish coming into his own. He's dealt with he's dealt with a good bit of injury over the past two years. I'm praying he can stay healthy this year. But he he with DeAndre Hunter. That was that was an amazing draft. <laughs> that was an amazing draft. You get Hunter at four, you get him at ten. Like in your wildest dreams, coming into that draft, you wouldn't have thought it able. And you were able to pull it off. Now you got both guys coming into their own. It, it's just, it's a beautiful point. It is a beautiful point. And that's why I've always said that the trade for Luka trade is a fair trade. It's a fair trade. Dallas got what they wanted, but Atlanta got what they needed. And I can't say now that either side has won or lost. I just think it was a good trade. It was a good trade for both sides. So, as stated earlier, I don't actually believe that rookies have a role on playoff caliber, high playoff caliber teams. One of the things I've seen is talking about Ungaku, Ungaku, my bad, and Jalen Johnson, Sharif Cooper. He was the sixth pick in the draft last year. He played some good playoff time minutes. But throughout the course of the season, this is, like I said, this is a high caliber playoff team. I I expect Atlanta to be a top four seed. You don't win with rookie and second year players. It just it doesn't happen. And like, I love the rookies we have. I don't want to I don't want to coach DMP them. You know what I'm saying? I, I, I don't want them to get no burn throughout the year. I love games like tonight where they're able to get in on some blowouts. I honestly think that they might get a lot of burn against upper echelon good teams like Brooklyn Nets, Los Angeles Lakers, um, Denver Nuggets, those type teams, because if the game gets out of hand, you don't want to burn your starters out. So you'll be able to see a little bit more Jalen Johnson, Sharif Cooper. But in terms of your bad teams, if it's close, like when we go, when we go Saturday and play Cleveland, if it's a nine to 10 point game in late third, fourth quarter. I don't want to see those guys on the floor. Like, like respectfully, I don't, I don't want to see those guys on the floor. I want Herder on the floor. I want Reddish on the floor. Uh, if we're, if we're going to the bench unit and y'all hold the line until the six minute mark and the starter is going to come back in and close it out if they need to come back in. Now at the six minute mark, if the game is out of hand, you know, y'all are up 17 to 20 points. All right, put the rookies in, you know what I'm saying? But this is a high caliber playoff team. Yes, you got to earn your minutes, but like some minutes just ain't going to be there for you. It's just not going to happen. Lou Williams come back. Uh, Gallinari comes and plays. Those minutes aren't going to be there. And I don't think that makes those guys any less valuable. To be honest, I'm actually looking at the uh, at the trade deadline. Maybe one or two of these guys get not the rookies, but one or two of the veterans get moved I think Gallinari might get moved and depending on depending on his movement throughout the year, Bogey might get moved. I know, sounds crazy, sounds crazy. But you move Bogey, you move Reddish into a spot. Just saying, just saying. Just thing to keep an eye on, you know. Just be just be wary of that.
All right. And now the last point of City Talk. So with the 75th anniversary team coming out, a guy I personally feel was snubbed on the 50 team and a lot of other people feel like was snubbed on the 50 team, um, Dominique Wilkins. And you got me thinking, like, who are the greatest Hawks of all time, right? Now, when I say greatest Hawks of all time, I don't mean like Hall of Famers who played for the Hawks, you know what I'm saying? But like, you got to play for the Hawks and do part of your Hall of Fame career for the Hawks because, hell, Carmelo was a Hawk for a day. Rasheed Wallace was a Hawk for (laughs) a game, you know? So my greatest Hawks of all time, I guess I'll just kind of go with starting five. At point guard, we don't really have anybody (laughs) that I ever saw play. Uh, Pistol Pete, I think, was you know, a hawk for a point in time, but I'm just going to go based off, you know, how I personally feel the greatest hawk point guard that I ever saw was Jeff T. He was a consistent winner with the Hawks. He consistently moved with the Hawks. Uh, We had several playoff appearances in a row with him. And I loved his tenacity, his speed with how he played. And selfishly, he was one of the first players I fell in love with Uh, when I started covering the Hawks more deeply, like looking at them, looking at their draft picks, uh, watching how they maneuver themselves as an organization. Most people don't remember up until 2017 with Dennis, we had 10 straight, 11 straight years of going to the playoffs. Year we drafted Al Horford until the year we traded him and Dennis was a starting point guard. Went to the playoffs every year and Jeff Teague was a part of that. At the two guard, the man that's just stole an ungodly amount of money, but was probably the best two guard we had, uh, Joe Johnson. A lot of people will say Steve Smith here, but if you look at it, Steve Smith did not have a majority of his all-star appearances with the Hawks like Joe Johnson did. He was an all-star almost every year he was with the Hawks. He was just... He was just okay though. Like he was he was the epitome of a hawk where it's like, yeah, he's an all-star, but like, why? <laughs> you know, he he's he's an okay two guard. ISO Joe. I can't say I loved his game, but I loved what he did while he was here. At the three spot, Dominique Wilkins, and that is the easiest place to say, the easiest thing to do. You know, you look at him, he's the greatest small forward that we've ever had. Um, Human highlight reel. You know, he's the greatest hawk of all time in my eyes. And I don't particularly think it's close. Okay, now I'm going to cheat a little bit on power forward. And it's only because the center I want to put there is the center I'm going to put there. I'm going to put Paul Millsap. He was a four-time all-star. With the Hawks, we got him from the Jazz. He was an integral part of just the Hawks culture and of winning, of moving forward. You know, he was part of that 51 team that got swept by LeBron James at Eastern Conference Finals. We're not going to talk about that. Point is, he was a great Hawk. (laughs) And I love him on our team. I loved how he played. I loved his tenacity, um, his versatility. You know, he was part of bringing that culture of winning to the Hawks. And 
the reason I put him at the four spot is so I could put Al Horford at the five. I uh, I love Al. Like, do I wish we could have got Kevin Durant? Of course. Who doesn't wish that we could have got Kevin Durant? But we got Al Horford, and he immediately brought winning to Atlanta. And he didn't miss the playoffs not a year. He was with the Hawks. And granted, only one year we made it past the second round. Al was the model of consistency. I love the video tribute they did for him. He was one of the best to ever do it. So that is the Birds of a Feather podcast for this evening. I love the feedback I'm getting from you guys. I want you to continue to hit me up. I'm going to be out there finding, you know, put myself out there a little bit more on social media so I can interact with you guys. Thank you for the love. Thank you for the support. You know, the people who have reached out to me, help critique this, you know, try to get better each and every time. I'm looking forward to hearing more from you guys. Go Hawks. And I'll see you on Tuesday for the Falcons podcast. Check me out. QCity11 on Instagram and Twitter. QCityLeo on TikTok. Looking like I hit the lotto. I wanna hide it like Mulatto. I'm on here and she on Miscato. I'm in them good till tomorrow. I'm a robber for the narrow. So you little lows, I'ma put you on payroll. You smell that aroma? Design it, yeah, it's a party, yeah. Papa Corona? She moving her body, she working them heels. Gotta go get him mentality. Gross it bad, full of celery. On the believe had what she telling me. Keep a 20 on me, case emergency. I wake up early every morning. Thank the Lord and get the band. Hustle hard, get the cash. That first, then I'll show him my ass. Gotta go get him mentality. Gross it bad, full of celery. On the believe had what she telling me. Keep a 20 on me, case emergency. My babies, that's who I grind for. That's who I do it for. Like the Navy. That's who I'm toting that iron for. Keep one in the head like a thought, nigga. Yeah, I fuck with Ty, he a boss, nigga. Put on that neck, I exhaust, nigga. Niggas cross me, so I cross, nigga. No script was lit last night. 500, what it cost, nigga. Shit was really legit last night. Had them hoes at the house, nigga. Instagram, Snapchat, Triller. What they say about Jay, he a go-getter. Used to have them fat sacks in the grove, nigga. Late nights, early morning, my dough, nigga. You smell that aroma? Design it, yeah, it's a party, yeah. Papa Corona, she moving her body, she working them heels. Gotta go get him mentality. Gross it bad, full of celery. Only believe had what she telling me. Keep a 20 